0: Are you mental?
1: Come and get it. Hey there, enthusiasts! Welcome back to Hero Talk. I'm your host, Judge Greg. Joining me, I have Nick. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing okay. All right, today's film is Ultraviolet, and for those of you who didn't see this one, it was a 2006 dystopian movie, uh, the similar vein to Equilibrium, starring Mila Jovovich. Now, as you know, Hero Talk is a spoiler podcast, and while we'll try to keep it to the movie at hand, anything that has been released is on the table, and fair game. So, Nick, my initial thoughts, and I said it was in the same vein as Equilibrium, because it's the same writer and same director. But this movie, to me, felt like Equilibrium and Aeon Flux got together and had a baby and Ultraviolet popped out. I don't know. What did you think?
0: I'm not going to forgive you for this.
1: <laughs> I don't know how
0: and I don't know when, but I will get you back for this. We did Equilibrium and that was fun. So you, th- so you said, oh, let's watch the other movie by this guy. That's what you said. It might be fun. No, no. This wasn't fun. Um, You said, for those who haven't seen it, I actually did a little bit of a poll. And while my means aren't exactly great, I'm hoping to get this published at some point soon, because the results lead me to believe that no one saw this movie. Now, I know there's actually box office results for this, and my theory is that that is actually the baseline revenue that a widescreen worldwide release can get, because that would just be cast, crew, families of the cast and crew, critics, and people who just want to be critics watching this movie. I don't think anyone saw this movie. I think you and I are the first two people who actually saw this movie.
1: So not a fan? No. (laughs) All right, hate to burst your bubble, but uh, I've actually have seen this movie twice before I had to watch it for Hero Talk. Um, And I should probably point out that even after this uh, this third viewing that I just finished, I still have no idea what the actual story of this movie is.
0: Yeah, there really isn't one.
1: Yeah. Now there's a uh, there's an extended cut which was only available on DVD and not Blu-ray for whatever reason. Uh, where they added like I think the the running time of this movie is actually like ninety seven minutes, or eighty seven minutes. And there's an unrated cut that adds like a seven minutes, and it's basically just seven minutes of explaining what's going on oh. that they decided to cut for whatever reason. So I,
0: I was I it thought all it was added a- to that one scene where they got to William Fichtner?
1: <laughs> Probably not. Although, they explain why William Fichtner's so smart when nobody, he doesn't have, like, this other suit. I mean, it's, the the movie, it it, it explains so much and what was cut. So, at some point, you're like, why are they talking about vampires? How are they vampires? You know, because like, you're almost two-thirds of the way through the movie before they actually have finished telling you what all these additional abilities everyone has are. And so, like, you're... You're you're honestly you're you're about 50 to 60 minutes into the movie before you realize oh they're supposed to be like vampires.
0: Yeah, they didn't like using the word and they didn't exactly show fangs or any vampiric ability or anything like that aside from Informed ability that they're smarter, and, or not
1: necessarily smarter, but faster and stronger. Yeah, so so what I, what I had to do, Nick, is I had to go and I had to, like, look up the extra lore. And I hate having to do that, because uh. one would think I got all the lore I needed, because I, I watched, you know, the movie. So I looked up the extra lore, and, like, in the cutscenes, they actually show things, like, explaining, like like, the teeth do, like, the canines do get bigger like a vampire, and they have the extended strength, and they have the other stuff, but they're not they're not, you know, immortal, they can be killed, uh, they're still vulnerable to, you know, bullets and guns, and they're still vulnerable to knives, uh, and that the, uh, the actual disease, because this is what I was kind of curious about the whole time, and they did not do a good job of explaining this, is, so what's the downside? <laughs> you know, and not, it's... Not it,
0: only that, not only that, yeah. but Consider the fact that apparently the government's had this long-standing campaign to rid the world of hemophages, as they call them. Yes. And it sounds like there's not many left, like, on the order of dozens. Right. So, Mila character is going around killing more humans than there are hemophages left. Like, the fight's over. It was lost a long time ago. Now it's just about doing damage.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: So, really, the main protagonist is entirely not sympathetic. There is nothing... uh, Unless the forced termination of pregnancy thing is... uh, That's about the only thing presented to make them identifiable or sympathetic.
1: Right. Now, there's supposed to be this other subplot that got cut where she actually doesn't have that much long to live.
0: Yeah, there was the bit where... uh, uh, It was said that she was dying. So, is hemophagia supposed to be terminal anyway?
1: Yeah. So, uh, what what goes on is like once you get it, yeah, you get these advanced abilities, but like it basically you have a ticking clock, and they can't, they don't really uh, say exactly how long, but like the general rule is nobody's ever lived longer than twelve years, and she was like, this
0: seems like a problem that will fix itself anyway.
1: Yeah, it really did. It's just the I, I think it was just the idea that so, it, but it can spread to all these different peoples, and you you have this constantly new set of people who have a new twelve-year clock. So really, once you uh once you put them in their their concentration camps, because if there's one thing that I know about Kurt Wimmer, he loves zombie symbolism. <laughs> he he does. I mean, the man. It's when I saw the uh. You know, the 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 mark patch, the armband that the uh, that the infected had to wear. Yeah. They're like, oh, OK, we're taking the Nazi metaphors back. Yeah.
0: Not not only that, they hammered it home with the with the fading out Hasidic Jewish family.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought that was maybe a little over overt. The
0: top and yeah, um, freaking uh, anachronistic.
1: Yeah. And like it, it's it just kind of felt like he didn't think we got it yet. <laughs> Yeah, if there's one thing I've learned from watching Kurt Wimmer movies, and I don't hate all Kurt Wimmer movies, although that's what it's going to kind of start to sound like here. uh, He thinks he's smarter than his own movie. (laughs) And he's not. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is a That's an accusation that can be equally leveled against equilibrium which we both enjoyed so right you know it's, so it's it
1: does, that doesn't ruin the movie like obviously it, but
0: movies it's in general
1: it's definitely when you have a movie like this where you cut out all the story elements and it's you're just shaking your head going like I don't understand it and then you like you go read up on the lore and you're like no now I still don't understand it <laughs> something went wrong yeah. So a- anyway, I guess we need to we need to talk about the cast because this is a, a pretty decent cast, and some of my personal favorites are in here. So playing a Violet Song, or her full name was like Violet Song Jet Sheriff, something like that, which they say like a dozen times in this movie, it was, it, which didn't make it any easier on me to memorize. Uh, so she plays, she's played by Mila Jovovich. Uh, that's Mila Yovovich. I know that's the right pronunciation, everybody, because uh she does have commentary on the Blu-ray. And hmm. I did watch the first, like, four or five minutes of it. <laughs> I wasn't going to watch this movie an- another time. Like I was done. No, so no.
0: I... I- I'm surprised you got that far.
1: Well, uh, let's be honest. My last hero talk was Labyrinth, so I've developed a little bit of a tolerance for bad movies now, so... <laughs> but yeah I mean, I just I kind of like to hear her, her take like I've listened to her commentaries on some other movies and she actually does a decent job as far as you know kind of talking through scenes and making it fun Um, I just wanted to hear her talk through like that whole interrogation thing because uh. that was a, a, a little weird and I just wanted to see if she could add any insight to it and uh, no not really she didn't so other than she really hates needles so she can't actually watch the scene where they stick all those needles up in her eyes and stuff I hate anything
0: touching my eye so I wouldn't blame for
1: that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little creeptastic, but uh so Mila Yovovich, who I love, by the way, I Milo Yovovich has been in a hundred movies, and any one of them could be a hero talk. And I actually quite like her, especially in, in some movies that people don't so much like her in, uh this wh- this was not her best work
0: it it um i haven't seen a ton of her movies mm-hmm.
1: but i would
0: say that just the frame th- this is a really action heavy movie yes. and the framing of things uh it it did she you can't talk about this without making the comparisons to leak to equilibrium and she did not move with the same uh purpose and definition that christian bale could no so and, and it, there's quite, no Quite frankly who could though if we're right
1: gonna now. be honest like who could True, true.
0: But it, it yeah, there, there was just, with Christian Bale, there was defined motions. Yes. With Mila Jovovich, it was like she waved her hand and there was a gun in it, and then they added bullet sparks and then everybody else fell down. Yeah. Whereas yeah, I, Christian Bale I, actually was aiming at people for the very quick comparison.
1: Right. And so, especially it, it, yeah. having watched Equilibrium and Ultraviolet uh, as close to each other as we have now. Uh there was definitely you I mean you get a chance to see them both do gunkata because they both do gunkata. Uh and you get to see who does it better and I just Christian Bales is more believable because Violet only tends to do gunkata when that particular action scene calls for gunkata. Yeah. Um
0: and 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 it's also because there's just the uh oh I'm sorry, I thought about the gravity leveler for a second, and my brain went
1: blank. Yeah, um, I, we, they do understand that, that that's not how that works, right? Th-
0: I think the best way to explain the gravity leveler is if you've ever played Extreme G. <laughs> and for those who haven't, it's yeah. it's like a bike racing game where wherever's down to your bike is down pretty much. So you've got really crazy courses uh, yeah. going up and around loops and walls and whatever. That's pretty much how it worked, because she actually went up the side of a building mm-hmm. with the gravity level her on, so the side of the building was down, jumped off the top, turned, and now the to her, the orientation of her bike, the top of the building was down, she falls on the top of the building.
1: Yeah, no, that's... That, I mean, that's basically how it worked. And then that, that kind of silly scene where she jumps through the helicopter... Yeah. I mean, you do understand, you have a ranged weapon with you, right? You don't need to jump through the helicopter.
0: And up. on top of the... Oh. oh.
1: Yeah, then through the windows and the other... You know, it's...
0: this. There was a bullet hole through the windshield of the bike. There's no way she survived that.
1: Well, she does have that super vampire healing that we get told about but never get to see. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and this... You know, I I love her. I I've seen her in so many movies, but I get it she's not Christian Bale and who could be. But however, this and she seemed like she, she can really do
0: action, but she can't do this kind of action. This is not her forte.
1: Like Fifth Element she was good at, I actually really liked her in the Resident Evil series, and I know she gets a lot of flack for that, and uh, I don't know what to say, I really liked her in those series, and she's been in a ton of other things, and I generally like her, but this movie just felt like, other than the fact that I just happened to like her, there was nothing else that was really drawing me to this character of, of Violet. There was no character. Yeah, I mean, basically there wasn't, and she, her lines were delivered so woodenly. Now, and again, like, I <laughs> I had seen this movie twice. Now, I saw it twice in 2006, I think that, that's worth pointing out, so it'd been a while. And I'm seeing her deliver these lines with this little kid, because you can't have a Kurt Wimmer movie without some annoying little kid running around. <laughs> and, I mean, they are horribly wooden. And, uh, anyway, I don't even know why there's a little kid other than Kurt Wimmer, and why not? We need to draw us... His... It's like, he, all his ideas, he couldn't quite in, get into equilibrium, festered. <laughs> and then... Because yeah. I, I can't just say he saved him, because, no. With what this movie did, they festered, and Oddly then enough, they got yeah.
0: I gotta say that when the kids started speaking, my immediate reaction was, thank God, a relatable character.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Alright, so let's... A couple of other people in the cast. Now, we have Cameron Bright, who played the kid six because uh, he was the sixth clone of the next character see this is how i'm just moving right past him and not yeah. even talking about him anymore he was the sixth clone of the next character it was nick i think chinland is how you say his name as as the uh ferdinand daxis or the archbishop to father or whatever character he was playing with a ridiculously long title that didn't mean anything just like equilibrium yeah. Uh,
0: hypocritical corrupt government
1: yeah heads. turns out he's the thing that he's outlawed yeah like he's <laughs> are you messing with me cleric yeah I, I it was it was ridiculous and now i sort of remembered this movie before the the scene that sticks out in this movie with me more than any other scene is uh, it's actually uh you want me a, to take a guess what it is a dax's scene yeah go ahead
0: is the scene no evil hear no evil speak no evil
1: yeah, it's that scene. Yep. it's I remember specifically him pouring uh, an inordinately awkward-shaped cup of coffee.
0: <laughs> it looked more like a cup uh, a cup for uh, one of those little bowls you would drink sake out of.
1: It, it it did. And and then he fills it up, and he shoots the guys uh, in a poetic manner. Why the guy with the earshot fell, I don't really know, but it's not my movie. And then he didn't spill a drop, and I'm supposed to believe that because he did that, he's now some super capable person. And so I, I even thinking to this scene, when I see him in the movie, and I'm like, I'm actually trying to pick up on the plot this time, I remember thinking to myself, oh, well, he's totally one of these, these hemophages. Because <laughs> I had completely forgotten. Like, there was... Sometimes your brain sees a movie, and it just purges. Yeah. And that's what happened with Ultraviolet. So... All I was really remembering was, oh, there was that scene with uh with Daxus. Oh, and Mila Jovovich is in it. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, there's so really so little meat to this movie that there's not much to hang your memories off right. of. Well, I mean, it's they they're they like, literally like cut the story out. Chun-Li. There's so little going on there that we forgot how much uh, just crap was going on.
1: Yeah, it's it's all filler. It's even to the point where the action becomes. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When the action becomes... Inconsequential? Yes. It, it just... You, you don't... You're not invested anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what happened here. Now, again, this one was mercifully only 87 minutes long. So, coming off of Labyrinth, this just did feel like a bit of a relief. <laughs> However, we seriously need to watch a good movie before I do another hero talk because <laughs> I, I don't know if I can take this again. <laughs> All right. So l- at least let's let's look at one of the other shining lights of this movie, uh, and that's the character of Garth, played by William Fichtner. Now, yeah. I have I have often declared that Michael Clark Duncan is the patron saint of of movies with with bad scripts. Um, and I think if if I'm going to start giving out sainthood to actors, I think William Fichtner should be the patron saint of hero talk because he has, in more than one time, been both the only positive thing that we can see. I mean, I just, I liked him in this movie, and I think I only liked him because it was William Fichtner.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can, it, that's pretty much all you can say about it, is that you want to see William Fichtner doing more stuff, and he's in this movie, and he's doing his William Fichtner thing, and he's just kind of sympathetic and relatable, but nothing he does really means anything either, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's about sums up his character. Like, I wanted to see more of him, but I didn't, and there you go.
0: Yeah, just because it's William Fickner I want to see
1: him do things right he's William Fickner if he's doing something it's going to be it's going to, to be watchable it's going least. to be watchable it's going to be enjoyable I, I wanted to watch him more and I the scenes where he's in and reacting off of Mila Jovovich, uh made violet seem more like a person
0: there's something there was something very warm and tender about him
1: yeah uh and actually uh, I saw an interview with Fickner and some of the uh some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff. And he basically, the way he described Garth, and this is the way he played Garth, and, and you you, you kind of see it now when he says it, is Garth is the guy who wants to find the cure so bad because he just misses being human.
0: Which, oddly enough, is very close to the same thing that he was doing in Equilibrium.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's uh, he's good at what he does. Um, and then it, in terms of the rest of the cast, nobody even worth mentioning.
0: No, not really.
1: No, there's Sebastian Andrew played some guy, and he didn't really factor in a whole lot other than just kind of putting the kid in peril for another scene. And I think he was from the Underworld movies, but I don't remember right off the top of my head who he played. So we're going to move on. And let's. <laughs> I, I just want to talk about some of the, the, the technology in this movie, because there were some parts of it that weren't bad. That's the nicest way I could word it. Like, <laughs> I kind of liked the idea of like the little pocket dimensions, although it did kind of feel like the sci-fi equivalent to the D and D bag of holding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was kind of neat to see her sitting there loading things up from her wrist. Yeah, but like holding all of the guns and all this other stuff, it just got
1: ah. Uh... It, the problem is you show the trick so many times, I start to be like, yeah, I get it. She can load it from her wrist. You don't need to show me every time.
0: What's more, there there's no set limit. So why is she not using larger weaponry? There's, there's no rules established for how this thing works.
1: Yeah, like... I, I can I mean, see what you're I mean, saying. Even, like, at this point, why don't I just produce a nuclear missile? Leveler,
0: you can watch it being used and understand the rules of how it's used.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: there, there's no visible limit to this little bag of holding space in her wrists.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With the, With the gravity leveler, it takes a second to turn on. It's not omnidirectional. It's always oriented to whatever your orientation is, so...
1: Yeah, I I mean I at least that way you could have a person who has all these weapons, but they're not you know walking around with all these weapons, and I'm supposed to mm-hmm. think that's normal and it makes sense. Although you know when when they check when you know in, in the beginning scene when they do all these checks to make sure that she's clean and she's not going to be a threat or anything, mm-hmm. if she has a bag of holding, isn't that something you want to maybe look into?
0: Well, they even were able to look into it at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that's what made it kind of a little a little odd, but well, I. Ex-
0: there is no way to explain how she was able to get past all the security measures. They were looking at the teeth, they were looking at the eyes, they were looking at the blood. They stabbed her wrists for some reason.
1: Yeah, they they, they came up with some kind of hand wave, like, well, sometimes people take these suppressants. Like, yeah.
0: Oh, then maybe you should be testing for those. That there has to be a trace of it in the system.
1: Yeah, like, if maybe sometimes people have these suppressants, then what's with doing all the checks if you're able to get past them? And you know people are able to get past them. They weren't surprised. It's not like this was something new that nobody had developed before. The, the people at the security checkpoint knew about them.
0: Or were able to figure it out quickly enough
1: yeah. that someone...
0: You don't have a system that big and have it fail and have a theory about how it failed inside five seconds.
1: Right. That just it's just a kind of lazy writing. Especially because the whole thing goes down when another carrier shows up. She's like, I'm the right one, you have the wrong one. They're like, Oh the stupid suppressants again. Like come yeah. on, guys. Come on.
0: And and, and even then I <sighs> Violet wasn't disguised to look like the other one. How did how did they not know who was going to be picking this thing up? And why was it being carried anywhere? Weren't they carrying it from the ministry or whatever it was to take it back to the...
1: That, it was, none it of was that. from one location to another location, and it was just... The carrier was... Now, what I don't understand, and this was kind of weird, and other than for our sake as the audience... Like, why is it, I'm going to explain to you, Carrier, what this is, and I'm going to tell you the fake lie we're telling everybody? You know what you could do is just not tell anybody anything and just yeah. move the kid. You don't maybe not even put it in a case and call it a weapon. Just move the kid. Yeah. Because nobody's going to look or care if you move a kid. You've apparently done this five times before and nobody noticed. So uh, just uh, move the kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The other five must have failed or something, and I, I seven guess, and eight I don't... were still waiting, or...
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. I mean, I guess I should be thankful that the twist at least worked, but I don't... It's the premise of, like, oh, so I have this clone of myself, and we put this human disease in it, and we're going to atomize the kid and then disperse it into the, into the environment so that people get sick. And you're kind of shaking your head, like, I don't understand why you needed the clone for this. Seems like any old lab could have just drawn the sucker up for you.
0: Yeah. it Plot device.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost well, like mean, Dax it, it, was sitting there and was like, well, what could be more stereotypical villainy?
0: Well, not only that, but they had to have the mother surrogate thing, which, oddly enough, the movie actually called out its own crappy writing later.
1: <laughs> it sure did. That's um, the only
0: reason to have a kid was because yeah. Violet had a forcefully terminated pregnancy, and here's a child. Yeah.
1: Uh, now... I don't know. I I didn't pick up on it being forcefully terminated. As far as it was, um. It was miscarried because of the experiments on her. Uh, it that, that was the. But it's not like they terminology ever terminology
0: in the movie is like the forced termination. Oh,
1: okay. of well, the maybe pregnancy. maybe I missed that part. I don't know. There was it,
0: it. It really doesn't matter because it doesn't impact anything.
1: Yeah. So, and this is I didn't know this, but uh, so in the movie, you know, when like her and her boyfriend or husband or whatever like get attacked by the dude and the guard shoots him and that's how she gets infected. So like the uh the whatever they call themselves the LLDD the latter day something or other i don't know it's just the, the tetragrammaton when they take her uh the husband thinks she's dead and he goes on and takes another and like has a whole other life and so they recut it and it just made it look like he was dead now i've seen this scene a couple times now w- what happened they were just like they were in like the supply closet hugging each other and then a vampire just busts in and attacks them for no good reason <laughs> like i'm i'm really a little curious as to how it actually went down because it's such a quick flashback I can give you no insights. Yeah, well, it's about the same in the movie. So, let's let's go through this opening scene because there's I mean, and what I mean the actual opening scene, the Admiral Akbar scene, uh where these th- now, this isn't how physics works and this kind of bothered me and this is this set the tone right away for what I was about to see. Like this kind of told me put your expectations low, but if you drop 5 spheres out the back of a helicopter in series, they're not going to land right next to each other on the ground in parallel <laughs> that's not how that works and now if you're telling me that they could they could navigate i didn't look like they could they were just they were in spheres look like they were just being dropped i don't know i
0: when when i saw that the best thing i could come up with was they were actually being dropped laterally so to the side of whatever flying uh, craft was dropping them
1: uh, momentum doesn't favor your theory
0: i didn't say it made sense <laughs> i said that's the best thing i could come up with yeah
1: but the, the thing that really stood out to me about this scene is so like these guys, these, these five ninjas break in and they come in the place and then all of a sudden they're surrounded. And the first thing I thought is like these guys went to the to the uh, the Christian Bale school of noticing your surroundings when you enter a room, <laughs> you know, they come in and they're they're just they're surrounded once again. It's like. Huh. Well, I guess this old director also likes the oh, we're all alone. Oh, now we're surrounded because he did it again. <laughs> well, and like these five highly trained assassins probably should have noticed that there were people right behind the pillars <laughs> that they were walking past. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, the the whole opening sequence there with the raid on the blood lab thing just did not it did not look good at all to me in any way. About two minutes into the movie, I thought, "Man, if Equilibrium is like Batman Begins, this is Batman and Robin."
1: Just yeah. The color
0: palette was too bright. It, like when they blow out the uh, the vault door thing, it just looked so much like a set.
1: Yeah, I mean, it did. I mean, there was a liberal use of green screen in this movie. Oh, yes. And yes. unfortunately, it was not good. It was it, it, it was not very only, noticeable. Not
0: only was it not very good, it didn't age well either.
1: No, no. It was very, very obvious to see where, where the green screen was. And that was to the detriment of the movie, I think, because it took me out of the movie a couple of times. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know?
0: The worst bit, the worst bit for that was probably, again, when when Violet was driving up the side of the building and the, there were attack helicopters shooting out the glass to oh, her side. Oh yeah, that and whole they motorcycle all these scene shards was, of glass that just yeah. looked terrible.
1: Yeah, that was that wasn't very good at all. So, since we're speaking of, of all the colors of the movie, I don't understand what point it served and and maybe if there was any rhyme or reason to when Violet kept changing her clothes and her hair color.
0: I kind of got the impression that that was something automatic in whatever the fashion was at the time. I it hmm. It didn't serve any purpose on any level other than to be a neat visual effect in the movie.
1: Yeah. I just... It was a little... I don't know. I guess maybe I didn't like that visual effect in the movie. Now, I mean, that's nitpicky. Given everything else that happened in this movie, the fact that her clothes are changing and her hair is changing, it's like, listen, just accept it and move on. But I, I just... The problem is, I'm watching the movie, and after she does it the first couple of times, I'm trying to see if it's like, is it automatic? Is she controlling it? Like, in some cases, it kind of looks like she's doing it to like, you know, like, she'll put black hair on when she's trying to not stand out as much. And I thought it was funny when she, at one point she was trying to blend in with the crowd, so she zipped up her coat to mm-hmm. blend in. I'm like, you know, you're still showing like a foot and a half of midriff, right? Like,
0: <laughs> you, but I, uh, you that, still but... stand
1: out. You're the only person showing midriff in all of future shanghai here so <laughs>
0: the uh but the, i mean that's the same problem that they have with the the bag of holding space on her wrist the, there's no defined rules and that's part of what makes you know alternate presentations on reality interesting is there are supposed to be rules and they're different from our rules and it's an exploration of what you can do if rules were different like this but when there are no rules it's just it's like a six-year-old spinning it spinning a yarn
1: yeah basically um i just one more thing that's kind of bothered me and i want to see if it bothered you too it is very impractical to have a katana blade without a hilt it didn't have a hilt didn't it
0: i didn't notice it one way or the other i did notice that it was square at the end for some reason
1: hang on we're holding for okay i'm gonna restart that sentence again (laughs) i thought it was very impractical to have a katana blade that did not have a guard huh yeah
0: i i didn't notice that but yeah that's not a good idea
1: yeah, it was, because when you have a sword that's basically straight and can slide up and down, and you don't have a guard on it, I mean, you're, you're, you're begging to get your hand chopped off there. Apparently so Star Wars did not exist in this universe. Yeah, did Star Wars not exist in this universe so they couldn't see what happens so when you don't have a guard on a bladed weapon and try to like somebody else with a bladed weapon? I mean, you would think how many, like, of these Jedi's get their hands cut off. It seems to be a common issue that comes up all the time. Guys get their hands cut off. Like, oh, you know why? Because you don't have a guard. That's well, then you put for. a
0: guard on their sword, and then people start complaining that the guard doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, you lose your hand one time. if The guard makes sense. I just thought it was impractical, and it, it Well, really got anyway, me. for a
0: conventional blade, yes, it's not a good idea.
1: Yeah, but there also there was this really interesting thing she was doing with the blade, when she was like doing these spins, and uh, apparently, like a lot of like the Shanghai guys or the the uh, Hong Kong uh, the the Hong Kong stuntmen. We're surprised by it and like, oh, what what sword form is that? And they're like, oh, that's uh, rhythmic, gy- rhythmic gymnasts do that with their batons. Huh. So they got like rhythmic gymnast to t- kind of teach them some things. Which it looks different. It was and it, and th- when the scenes when she's using her sword, it's kind of nice to see people doing something that's not what I've seen in every other movie.
0: You mean like during the final fight when they're just flinning with katanas?
1: That was completely different. And why did they catch fire? Why? Uh, they
0: both had the accelerant from Draxus's a flame pistol on
1: them. Did oh man, I totally missed that.
0: Yeah, cause yeah, in the final fight, she had her hand was was bleeding, mm-hmm. and she like threw some at him as he fired, and the blood put out the pilot light. But the goo got onto. Oh, her sword. so
1: that's what that stuff was that she threw the blood. I uh, see. I had, I didn't really. I guess maybe I just didn't pick up that was a flame gun. And I was I was going to ask you like, why did she just throw her blood at the weapon? It was just to get blood splattered on him, just to mess with him?
0: Uh that might have been the primary reason, and the pilot light going out was just a happy coincidence.
1: Yeah, so I guess I didn't pick up that that was a flame gun, but I was fairly well checked out by that point in the movie, I'll be perfectly honest with you.
0: I don't think anyone could blame you for that.
1: Yeah, but, uh, so, uh, as long as you're going through these... these- these action scenes, because there's nothing else, Nick. There's nothing else. We have, we, if we no, don't no, go for no. the action There is one scenes, other
0: thing: what there it? are action sequences, and the bit where the film seems to come to a screeching halt, but at least we get to see William Fichtner.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. It's it's an action sequence, and there's a little bit of William Fichtner in there. But I mean, this the whole thing where the the case that she has, and it's probably maybe explained to somebody who's listening to Hero Talk but hasn't seen the movie, and we're not recommending the movie, by the way, so you don't necessarily need to go see it. Uh, the case actually is a little trans-dimensional portal, and inside the case is a kid. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you gotta... I, I forget that people probably don't see all the movies that we do on Hero Talk, because they're not all good. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the kid's in the case, and you get the whole... You know, i uh, make sure you destroy the case if, if things go wrong. Don't, don't look inside of it. Then maybe you sent the wrong person there, Mr. Vampire. And as long as we're talking about this, because then she's got to escape from these guys, and you get this whole... Scene with the the blood Chinoa? Yeah, did, I I don't. Did I miss what was this guy's? These guys' story.
0: There wasn't one. Yeah. Now they, uh, they were. They just apparently controlled the top ten floors of that building that Mm -hmm. is like literally a space needle like needle and thread it's shaped like a sewing needle with the eye in the at the top
1: now i'm pretty sure that's a i think it's at least partially based on an actual building in shanghai
0: which is
1: which is where they filmed most of this movie in in shanghai i'm gonna say shanghai because that's how i know how to say it but i noticed whenever somebody referred to it they said shanghai uh-huh. I I don't I don't even know if I just said it right, so I'm not even going to pretend. We'll just accept that I understand. I'm probably saying it wrong, but uh. Anyway, so the uh, these well, guys. Well, it's a
0: real building. I think it's a weird real building because it looks like someone misunderstood what the Space Needle was.
1: Well, Shanghai is is kind of has a lot of different shapes to it as well. Fair enough. I mean, it's it's Shanghai kind of looks like Tomorrowland from Disneyland <laughs> a little bit.
0: But yeah, that, the fight with the the blood Chinois.
1: Yeah, For, they're they that, are. That just they're there they're not even action. a real Asian race. They made up a new Asian race just to have the blood Chinois be that race. Yeah, like Thai Hindi, that language they're speaking, that's all made up.
0: Yeah. Now, although, I, I guess although, I don't I, I understand like that why fight would you sequence credit for having the most interesting thing, the most interesting fighting concept in the movie, which was they were all wearing mirrored glasses. Mm-hmm. So, Violet was looking through all of the reflections and reflections of reflections to see what was going on all around her. Yeah. Of course, the whole thing went really fast and didn't really read well on screen and I didn't believe her dodges going into it, but I'll give credit for the idea, at least.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting idea. I I just, you almost kind of wish, though, that, like, Violet would... You know, you have guns, Violet. Just use a gun. This could be done faster.
0: (laughs) It it almost felt like that was this movie's version of the pistol-whipping fight from Equilibrium, and they just weren't up to getting anywhere close to anything that cool.
1: Yeah. Well, she did have that other part later where she had knives come out of the bottom of her gun, and that made me think of the pistol-whipping scene from Equilibrium. Hmm. That was, uh, that was during the end fight at the in the library.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that. I, I remember the fight. I don't remember a whole lot about what was going on in there. Actually, well, when I was watching that, I was thinking, she's shooting a lot of books.
1: Well, they, they needed like to make that whole, like, raining paper at the end similar. there. But yeah, she she destroyed a lot of definitely tangible knowledge.
0: Yeah. What's more, those were automatic doors when she was going through at the end. Couldn't they have just locked her in?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could have. Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: And and clearly we're jumping around because we're not interested in staying one place. Because there's there's no continuity interest...
1: to the story, so there's going to be no continuity to hero talk, which usually has no continuity in the first place. So when you when you're already talking about a schizophrenic movie, you can go anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, this this scene with the the blood chinois. I don't know why they're called that. Where she doesn't shoot them, but she just dodges until they shoot themselves. It yeah. just really felt like that only works if these guys stay in this circular pattern. You know, and, like, it gets to the point where, like, at the end, the four guys shoot each other and then she's done. You're like, so what happened if, like, maybe one of those guys didn't shoot?
0: Right. Or one of them went off at an angle because she's been dodging.
1: Yeah, like, hey, you know what? She's been dodging a lot lately. You know, maybe we should. Or maybe one of them is like, hey, why don't we just go after this kid who's ducking around through the gunfight to try to climb on this ledge? Yeah. That, I mean, that was kind of ridiculous, there's, there's like a million gunshots going off, and then she turns, and the kid is not where she left him, but has managed to get to the other side of the whole platform there, and now climbed up on a ledge. So nobody saw that? He didn't get hit with any of that fire. That's a little impractical.
0: Yeah. But. Uh, her relationship with the kid was just so forced anyway, because there was, you know, she she kidnaps him in the case... Then, oh, but, but, oh, it's actually a kid in here, so I I guess he's innocent, we should protect him, but the vampire bosses that sent Violet to get him wanted to kill him or something, and she took him away from them, and she seemed to resent him, and then figured out that he was going to die, and then sort of developed a soft spot for him, and immediately after that tried to abandon him in a mall. Yeah, that was... And then, you know, had a crisis of conscience and saw that the the sweepers killed an innocent kid who looked like him and then found him who is now running away from her and then finds out he's going to die
1: or something.
0: And then, oh, my God. And then there's the bit where they she fakes returning him to Draxus. And after that sequence is the scene where they go to a park to play. And I swear to God, I thought that was supposed to be a dream sequence when it started.
1: Yeah, I know. I I thought so too. But I thought it was th- first of all, this whole she fake returns him, and it's just this holographic projection. What what was that meant to serve? Did she? I guess you know what
0: it should have been meant to serve. She should have had a bunch of rocket launchers in her bag of holding wrists. Yeah, have all of the guards out there waiting to meet her, and then she just like. <sighs> Will rains fire down from on high
1: no that but instead worked. her 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 avatar there goes on it goes and confronts them and then gets shot up like a million times and i she's just kind of like well that happened like yeah that happened why why did that happen
0: what did you think was going to happen
1: like were, did, was that really something you didn't know was going to happen like i was wondering if all those 700 guards were just going to shoot at me turns out they were yeah yeah. But the,
0: yeah, And the whole visit to the park was, was just the least sensical thing in the entire movie, which yeah, it, really it, says something.
1: It really did kind of feel just like, okay, so uh, since you're going to die, I guess we might as well go play. We can play until you die.
0: Yeah, you wanted to see that park from the thing that we saw when we were sleeping in William Fickner's truck. And, okay, here's a park. We'll go play until they catch us. Yeah. and then and then the kid dies.
1: Well, he doesn't really the, die because she cried a tear, and the yeah, tear yeah, lands on his 20, nose.
0: 20, Twenty-eight days later, infectious tear crap. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, but as a result, you now the kid is a hemo whatever. Yeah. And... But
0: as far as they know at the time, the kid dies. Yeah. Then they shoot Violet. Then. Through the magic of love, William Fichtner manages to pick her up before the incineration team gets to her.
1: I, I kind of got the impression that he showed up and said he was the incineration team.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean,
1: how did he know what that, was going that's on? Just
0: so. Yeah, it, it's audience-insultingly convenient.
1: It it really is. Um, I think I was maybe still focused on the idea that, like, even in this world, there's an incineration team. <laughs> Like this man Kurt Wimmer has his go-to sample. plot devices and they're there. He's like, "Oh, well there's an incineration team." Obviously. Like, you know, you know not not everybody has incineration teams. That's not just a thing.
0: Well, may- maybe if maybe if they were on screen, we would have gotten Sean Bean in this movie.
1: Oh, man. Sean Bean could have made this movie better. Could you imagine Daxus was played by Sean Bean?
0: I was actually imagining Daxus as played by William Fickner.
1: Oh, that'd be good too.
0: And then, and then Garth should have been played by Sean Bean.
1: Yeah. And then, and then Mila, jo- Mila Jovovich could have still been in it, but then, like, maybe instead of the little kid, we have Christian Bale.
0: <laughs> Christian Bale as a clone of William
1: <laughs> 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 Yes. He's an imperfect clone.
0: That's what happens when you get him with the antigens or whatever.
1: You, you make a copy of a copy of a copy, and suddenly it's a little bit different than <laughs> the original. Are we
0: watching Multiplicity now?
1: Oh, I like that movie. It's funny, <laughs> Not good a good hero talk movie. Anyway, so... Alright, so well I would watch that movie, I should say. I'd watch I'd watch the movie with our recasting. Uh, Kurt Wimmer actually I think he played a role in it. I wanna say he, he was, was one uh, of those
0: see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil I guys. I wanna
1: say he was speak no evil.
0: Possibly, I don't
1: know. Yeah, I think in the credits, I think they actually had them cast as which one was which. Yeah, and yeah, so they're
0: they're labeled as see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil
1: in the yeah, credits. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking it up now, and I'm right. He was he was speak no evil, which is now when they cast him as that, like you're not even being subtle now. <laughs> Again, he's he's not as clever as he thinks he is, and I think if he sticks to what's in his wheelhouse, the guy makes entertaining movies. But when he tries to get too smart, or maybe get too Cute, I guess, is the phrase. Then you, you get, you get ultraviolet. This. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's he's almost like a poor man's Michael Bay who thinks he's smart.
1: Yes. Uh, at least, and you know what, say what you want about Michael Bay, he doesn't think he's smart. Yeah, he openly
0: admits that he makes movies for teenage boys.
1: Yeah, he he knows, he knows what he's yeah. doing, and you know what, the guy makes hand over fist, so as much as I can point at him and be like, that's what's wrong, the guy still makes money. So Kurt Wimmer just kind of needs to understand what he's doing, and, and, and go with that, and... And Kurt, if you're listening... I'm assuming he's listening. He's not listening. I just... I... I Stop being smarter than trying to outsmart me and just kind of present me with something that's fun to watch. Like, that's what we always said about Equilibrium. Equilibrium was fun. And, and it out... The, the fun outshone all of the silliness of it. But when you have a movie like Ultraviolet, which is not as fun then I have no other choice but to focus on all this minutia.
0: Yeah. And yeah. when there's
1: so much minutia, it doesn't become minutia anymore.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not as fun as Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. It's trying to – it might – it seems like it's trying to be as smart as Equilibrium because Equilibrium, while not exactly a brilliant movie, isn't a stupid movie either – but this is a stupid movie and there's way more of like you call it so much minutia. There's way more of that stuff wrong in this than there was in equilibrium.
1: Right. Like I, I can't well, I mean, how much, and... how much of the
0: things wrong in equilibrium did we explain with one sentence? Preston is an idiot.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. As long as you go in with that premise, you fix it and there, you can't do that here. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not, it's not that easy, man, there's so many. So I, I'm watching this movie and thinking to myself, man, this has so much in common with Equilibrium. And I, I, I pop onto the Wikipedia page later just to kind of kind of round out my knowledge of the movie so I can walk into this podcast. And they have a whole section on the, on the Wikipedia page of things that this movie has in common with Equilibrium. <laughs> And there's quite a few, like, there's a couple of ones where, like, I'm shaking my head going, like, yeah, no, you're right, they did that, too. Like, obviously, yep. the, the gun kata. uh uh-huh. I didn't it's need a... their help telling that. The dystopian future, the yeah. we are trying to eradicate this thing, but turns out I'm this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: well big brother government kind yeah. of. Yeah. The muzzle
1: flashes on their guns. You know how Preston's gun has the cleric logo when he shoots it, mm-hmm. and uh, and her gun, and I did notice this this time around has the biohazard logo when she shoots it. Hmm. The biohazard I, logo, because they, they're that big old building there. Because yeah. man, this guy loves weird shaped buildings.
0: Yeah, freaking ministry shaped like a cross.
1: Yeah. yeah, that that's like a perfect example
0: of not being as smart as you think you are
1: yeah exactly man you know what if kurt wimmer is actually a fan of hero talk i'm gonna feel like a total butt for being this mean to him but we say it out of love just telling it like it is man i'm just listen man it's can't you can't tell me what i feel all right so nick in in the last hero talk i introduced a new segment which i i'm bringing on for movies that are universally panned by my panel which is, before we talk about what our favorite part of the movie is, we're going to talk about what our least favorite part of the movie was. Because eh, I find myself, I'm struggling so hard to find the good point in a movie that I don't like, when it's I'd much rather discuss the thing that bothered me the most. So, hmm. with that in mind, and given that we're both pretty clear that this was not a good film, uh, what would you say was your least favorite part of Ultraviolet?
0: That is a tricky question because it all just its so much of it is just one long, unimpressive action sequence and they're all kind of disappointing in different ways there's just the horrible CG of the uh, chase when she's in the motorcycle there's some shoddy I don't know, shoddy might be a bit harsh but the kind of loose execution of Gunkata but I actually think My least favorite part would be the fight in the church.
1: Oh, really?
0: Which we haven't even talked about because it was it, they were trying to set it up like oh now she's fighting things that are on her level and they just all run like she spins you see absolutely nothing clearly and they all drop
1: yeah did i i was i was thinking of this like now that they and they made a, they make a point out of saying like oh we're just as strong as you and it seems like she almost has an easier time with these guys than she yeah. did with the normal humans
0: yeah yeah i mean there was the two outside and you can kind of let that pass because you know she was able to get the upper hand really quick and dispatch them very quickly and and they attacked one at a time, and so they weren't exactly ready for her they might not be as well practiced but you don't you don't take out twenty guys with swords all at once like that, yeah, with just
1: doing the big circular sword swing and like kills all of them in one shot you you know especially you're looking and you're you're expecting you're about to see like a pretty dramatic sword fight, but you don't you know like. Like, the, the, what, however many people do it, like, they come, swords raised directly over their heads, every single one of them, in the perfect position. They don't defend themselves, even though they allegedly are supposed to have, like, the super reflexes she has. And in just one fell swoop, she just dispatches them. And then even when she's, uh, she, w- she ends up fighting the, uh, what was his name, the Nerva guy... Even he, well, I mean, went down like Tay Diggs at the end of Equilibrium, just bloopity yeah. bloop, and you're done.
0: Except it wasn't even as fun to watch as Tay Diggs going down. No,
1: and I, I, he, his head gets impaled on her sword, and I've seen clips of that scene more than once. And I just, I guess, I don't get how does the sword, where was the sword that he could impale his head on it? It seemed like she set it down because she was going to go catch the kid. Um, with her hands that must have been greased. I mean, what was up with that? You grab a rope and you have super strength.
0: Yeah, the that's rope the other just thing stops. I was going to point out is is that he's a kid. You know, you're you're going to get rope burn on your hands trying to catch the rope as he's falling, as he gets dropped in the well. Yeah. But it, it's not going to keep sliding for like eight seconds.
1: It was only maybe two seconds. Or, no, two uh, seconds of actual in-movie time, eight seconds of real-world time. They Fair slowed enough. it down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, but yeah. It,
0: it, that would still, that would, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, it just, it, she grabs onto it, and the thing is still sliding, and she's rope burning. I'm like, that kid weighs, wh- what do you think that kid probably weighs, 70, 80 pounds? Something like that. No, you, she's got super strength. I would expect her to just grab the rope, and it stops. But they, they try to they try to make it a little bit more dramatic, and in doing so, like, in this movie where I've already decided, like, you've pushed my disbelief about as far as it can go.
0: It's like they're picking and choosing when to apply the rules that yeah. they never defined.
1: Exactly. And that's that's a problem. That's that's a problem when you've clearly decided like on what things you wanted to be in the scene. Like, oh, I want her to take out a bunch of guys. I want somebody's head to get impaled. And I want her to have to like do all this in a certain time so the kid doesn't hit the bottom of the well. And then I want her to have to grab it, but then like it's still going and she's getting rope burned, but she's still holding it. And it's just all this cool stuff that he figured out that he wanted to get in this scene. And the fact that it doesn't actually belong in this movie was irrelevant. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, that... good, good call, because that, was, that wasn't was all that good. No. So, my least favorite part of the movie, conveniently, is one of the other scenes that we, we haven't talked on too much, but we did talk about it. This end fight scene between Daxis and, and Mila Jovovich... I like, he makes the whole room go dark, and that's supposed to be some dramatic advantage. But, yeah,
0: he's supposed to have better night vision than her. Yeah,
1: she didn't, because she, she can still kind of see at the daytime, but she doesn't have the night vision, so he wants to put up the night vision in this room. Oh, that room really exists, by the way. That's actually a building in Shanghai. They didn't construct it or anything. Huh. So that's just an interesting little tidbit, but he, he does this, and so you think like there's going to be a hero in peril moment here, where she's going to have to really rally herself in order to, to fight back against a guy who now has a clear advantage over her.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And and that doesn't happen. She just kind of lights her sword on fire. She's like, well, now I'm good. And then he gets lit on fire at one point, and they fight. And I I thought this was going to be more than it was, where now he's on fire. But, like, if you think about it, his body's probably healing himself just as fast as as he's burning. So you have this... He's going to be on fire for a while. But then she cuts him in half pretty quickly. Yeah, I...
0: When I was I didn't even remember much of a fight after he got set on fire. I thought it was pretty much he got set on fire and then got split in two.
1: I I think he he made one eff- effort to try to go after her while he was on fire and then she split him in two. So just a lot of wasted, you know, it's it's not like at the end of the movie when like Chris Bale and, you know, the uh the other guy in Equilibrio whose name I've completely forgotten, but like, when the end fight of Chris Bale with the two gun guys fighting? Yeah. That was a dramatic fight. Mm-hmm. That was a fight where you're like, wow, these guys are actually pretty on par with each other here. Yeah, yeah. This was not that. The, at no point in time was I invested in this fight, and this is supposed to be the climax. This is supposed to be the part of the movie that it feels so good to me that I forgive all the other stuff.
0: You know, that's a really interesting thing, because you said you were not invested in this fight. Mm-hmm despite the fact that Violet showed a lot more vulnerability in this movie than Preston showed in Equilibrium. Yeah. He was just an unstoppable killing machine in Equilibrium, but you get up to Absolutely Not Father, and he starts kind of holding his own. You're like, oh, wow, this is really interesting, and it draws you in, even right. though it's still it's still a really one-sided fight. Right. But here, oddly enough, by showing more vulnerability – for Violet, there's actually less investment in her fights.
1: Yeah. It, it also helps that Daxus, like, they've already established his abilities and skills, so I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not as surprising, it's not as off-putting, and it's just the way the movie turned out, it just, I didn't...
0: Yeah, it's, it, yeah. They, they overtly show him do the, you know, the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, kill. Yeah. So it's explicitly shown on the screen. In Equilibrium, it's actually kind of established because he's training other people in the gun kata. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not father. Right. And so he's an instructor, so they very subtly hint that he's someone to be reckoned with still yeah and so when you when when that fight starts going you're like oh 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 okay
1: yeah i just it it with well, the problem is when you have a character in violet who i just had a real hard time connecting with and a villain in Draxus who i just kind of had another real hard time connecting with when the two of them fight and it's there's nothing special going on other than they're just fighting i'm not i'm not invested i don't care yeah and that's yeah. and that's and what happened that's here what they... that goes to show you that sometimes it's good characters make it, if you care about what's going on you'll let go whatever stupid stuff you want to throw at you and and, equilibrium and what's more with that it's care. not
0: necessarily yeah. just the character as what's written on the page but the yeah. actor bringing the character to life
1: right and now for this guy who played Draxis, uh, Again, I'm gonna try this guy's name one more time. Um, Nick Chunlin Chinland. I don't know. I've never heard it spoken, and I've I i do not remember him from anything else I've ever seen. I just had a real hard time liking him and and being involved with him.
0: I assume you mean liking him as a villain.
1: As a villain, yeah. No, I, I obviously he's not going to be you know a, a sympathetic character, but I just I really wasn't. I really d- didn't buy it. But with, you know, not father, I was kind of there with him. Like, you, you you, got a feel for this guy as a character, and, and he was he was put out there. And, like, I don't know whether the blame lies with Nick Chun-Lin, but at the same time, Mila Jovovich really couldn't get me invested in Violet, and I like her in a lot of stuff. I mean, she was already halfway there by the fact that I did like her. Yeah. And the movie, it- I mean, the movie was written for her, quite frankly. <laughs> Literally, actually. Literally yeah. was written for her, with her in mind. That
0: hurts. That news hurts. I, I didn't. I wouldn't call it good, but relative to the rest of the movie, I found uh, his portrayal of Draxus to be one of the more enjoyable things to watch.
1: It I, it was interesting maybe, because Draxus like is such a germaphobe, which is odd given that he's a germaphobe, but he has the super healing. But then he's also apparently because he he would have contracted a disease like way at the very beginning of this thing.
0: Yeah, like, it was implied he, that he was patient zero.
1: Yeah, because so, he was
0: the he was the one that first got his finger pricked.
1: pricked. Yeah. So I don't understand where his twelve year dead switch is coming from, and maybe maybe it's the germaphobe. Maybe it's he's so protective of germs. That Maybe
0: it's that thing in his nose and all the coffee he drinks.
1: He does like to drink coffee in his self heating mug. Huh. Yeah. They actually have those, so I guess that's not super futuristic, but it was just kind of odd that everything needs to be sterilized before he'll use it. Yeah. Well, whatever keeps you young. Yep. Alright. Um I guess it's my turn. I think the the thing that I hated the most about this movie and hate's a strong word, I guess the thing I liked the least about this movie is the kid. Mm. And I I had somehow completely forgotten that there was a kid in this movie. So here it is, 2015. I'm watching Ultraviolet again. She opens the case and there's a kid. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want to <laughs> see this. And I think that moment right there, uh, that was a sad moment for me. So yeah, so I'm gonna have two because those those both are were, were sad moments for me. I would say yeah, the the end fight and and the kid.
0: Yeah, the 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 moment where they start getting into the the kid, what the kid is. There's also just too many fake outs and reversals for the audience to really get invested in any expectation for what's actually happening. Yeah, like the the, the stakes are just all over the place. It's like okay, we're we're trying to. They're trying to kill all the hemophages, despite the fact they're going to die anyway. Um, (laughs) Okay, so we don't want that. Okay, but but the, the, the hemophages are trying to infect... The rest of, of humanity, okay, well, okay, that's bad. Okay, so they're they're making this kid to kill the hemophages. No, no, actually what the kid is is actually we can make him a, a, into a cure for the hemophages. Okay, no, no, he's actually by Draxus to infect all of the normal people. And... Uh, but the kid actually, for some reason, knows the chemical composition for a cure. It just goes back and forth too many times and the, the
1: mm. yeah, no, I I, I got you. then you, you never really know what's going on. And therefore you never really care. Yeah, so you don't care and that's that's where the movie fails. So now, let's try, let's try our hardest. What was the your favorite part? I was going to say the best, but that's, that's the wrong wording here. See
0: no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil.
1: See no evil, see no evil speak no evil?
0: Yeah, it, it was actually, watching that scene alone had a weird tension to it, which was enjoyable. It, uh, you know... Draxus goes in there, the hemophages kill all of his guards, and he just kind of calmly walks into the adjacent kitchen, which was in that hallway for some reason.
1: Yeah, that that was really off-putting to me, is when he walks <laughs> into a kitchen. I mean, how did he know there was a kitchen there?
0: And then he, he has his cloth pinstripe gloves, and he starts taking out his coffee and making coffee, and, and just the focus of everything in that scene was kind of fascinating the the only thing that would have made it better although that would have it would have been a really tall order is if when he quick draws and shoots see no evil hear no evil and speak no evil that you actually see him not spill his coffee rather than that being off frame yeah but you know that that would be pretty rough and given the way the other stuff was done in the movie they probably would have made it look terrible
1: yeah you would have to have an empty cup And then CG the coffee in there. And then have him try to take a believable sip of that CG coffee after he's done. I
0: I would actually imagine that you'd have to have a whole CG arm so that it wasn't moving. Yeah. Or have a CG gun arm.
1: Yeah, that'd be weird anyway i uh I was really off put by how impractically shaped that coffee cup was. I think I've mentioned that before,
0: yeah, yeah, but and when I was watching it, I was just the the shape of the cup, the impracticality of the cup was meant to highlight how unsteady it was, yeah and how steady his hand had to have been to be able to get get away with that shot.
1: yeah I bet and and I get why it's just why would you go into a kitchen they had co- have coffee cups shaped like that, yeah, stupid future. <laughs> Um, so my favorite part of the movie was you know i'm just I'm just gonna go with the low hanging fruit William Fickner <laughs> i whenever Garth was on screen, I liked what was going on in the movie, and whenever Garth left, it was sad.
0: It was really bad when they were in the truck with Garth, but Garth wasn't on screen, yeah, that's really but, sad that 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 may have been the overall actually yeah. worst scene in the movie because it was so dull,
1: yeah. I kind of liked Garth's little setup there where, like, yeah, he's, it's like he's living in the back of the truck, but, like,
0: the, the three walls. The truck
1: is its own bag of holding? Yeah, the three walls of the truck are opened up, and so it's this huge lab that he's been working in. So, for, so that was, I mean, that was kind of cool. Like, he had that whole thing set up, and he was, you know, and the thing with Garth is, I guess, Garth got super smart from the hemophage, so all he's doing is working on a cure. And I'd like to think, because the movie ends a little odd, like, they don't, they make it seem like Six knows the cure. Because he saw it, and, I mean, you know how kids are, just memorizing complex serums and compositions and chemicals and stuff. Yeah, that's like children do, but uh, they're not really clear about whether or not Violet gets cured or not, or whether it's just way too late and she's just going to die right there. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to think that, that Garth cures her, because I like Garth. I want him yeah. to be the hero.
0: He's I want the... Garth to be happy. I don't care about anybody else.
1: Yeah. Now, that's basically how it comes out. I want Garth to be happy. As long as Garth's happy, I'm happy. And so if that means that Mila Jovovich gets to live at the end of this movie for me, then by gone it, she gets to live. Fair enough. Okay. So, of the movie, now is the time on Hero Talk where we have to give this movie a score. So, Nick, what would you score Ultraviolet?
0: The number of people who've seen the movie. So, two. Which I still think is
1: <laughs> two. Yeah. I, uh... So, if I had to score this movie, I would have to give it two immunizing hemophage virus-infused tears out of five. Very generous. Yeah. It, you know, th- there are still things that I kind of like watching on it, and there is some interesting concepts at place. Uh, and William Fickner's in it.
0: <laughs> is William Fickner worth at least one and a half?
1: Yeah, William Fickner gives you one and a half, at least, in Hero Talk. So, between those two things, I was actually uh, – and, and it was short – so i didn't have enough time for it to really bother me (laughs) that's horrible but you know sometimes sometimes being short and just cutting your losses can get you a little bit of an extra bump in the score on hero talk so appreciate that it at least wasn't a long bad movie it was a short bad movie all right and so that was uh that was equilibrium no that was (laughs) ultraviolet i wish it was no (laughs) sorry i get those confused i forgot we're doing the bad one (laughs) All right, so that was ultraviolet. So Nick, uh dude, I'm sorry. Uh, I remembered I, I, I'll it. I'll get better. you back for this <laughs> someday. You know the rules of hero talk. If you do a good movie, you have to do a bad movie.
0: This should count as at least two, <laughs> probably three bad movies.
1: Yeah, I. It's not recommended, by the way. If you're st- if you're still at this point or wondering, and you're still a little bit on the fence, it's not it, recommended.
0: If, it, if you're if you want if. Ugh. If you want to watch this movie, do yourself a favor and watch Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li instead.
1: (laughs) I don't know if that's really a favor. It's better. Yeah, it is.
0: At least you get the bizarre spectacle of seeing Irish Geese Howard pretending to be M. Bison.
1: Yeah, I like Irish Bison. I decided that's how I want him to be in the the (laughs) game. I want Bison to speak next time and speak with a full-blown Irish accent. (laughs) They, They should do that. Capcom, get on that.
0: We need some, uh, else worlds of Street Fighter lore.
1: Yeah. Alright, well anyway, on behalf of my panel I just want to thank everyone for joining us If you have a movie that you want us to discuss or if you want to join in on the panel sometime, you can email Herotalk at Enthusiacs.com For more podcasts, let's plays, articles, videos reviews, you can visit us at Enthusiacs.com Also follow us on Twitter We are at Enthusiacs and our YouTube channel is entitled Enthusiacs And as always, we'll see you right back here on the next Hero Talk